This episode is brought to you by A Dozen Cousins, soulfully seasoned, ready-to-eat beans. Learn more at adozencousins.com. This week on Meet and 3, it's all about screens. We're diving into the world of TV, computers, and even VR to figure out how food consumption is shifted by a digital lens. Every course talks about a different topic within the Asian American identity through a very personal lens. And the three courses that are paired with VR, in it you're seeing a brushstroke by brushstroke recreation of the dish that you're about to eat. Most of us in the world live in urban areas. And so how much is the city already accidentally providing its residents? And how much more could it provide if um, we just made it a priority? Tune in to Meet and 3. HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Why Food, a podcast about entrepreneurs, innovators, and career changers. I'm your co-host, Ethan Frisch. And I'm your co-host, Valerie Lomas. And we have a couple of great guests to introduce you to, but we wanted to give you some updates first. I don't know, Val, what's going on? Um, Ethan, I saw that you are about to drop some spice blends. This is incredible news. Can you give us a little bit of how that came to be? Yeah, this has been a huge project, a very long time coming. Our, our first blends, um, which means we have no idea what we're doing and we're sort of stumbling through the whole thing, but um, this this lineup of blends in particular is really important. Uh, they're Floyd Cardoza's Spice Blends. He's a, a an Indian-American chef, uh, really very famous and a, a groundbreaker in, in the field. I had worked for him at his restaurant Tabla in New York 10 years ago, and he had uh, approached me about a year and a half ago to, to launch a, a line of Spice Blends of masalas together. Um, Unfortunately, he passed away from COVID complications in March, um, and his wife uh, decided to continue the project uh, as sort of a memorial. So we we just spent three days with her actually making the blends, you know, 800 pounds of spices in total, three different masalas, a, a Kashmiri masala, a Goan masala, and a garam masala, um, all his recipes. And it, it's, it's, been, it's been a journey, but uh, it's really really excited to share it with everybody and really grateful and honored to be able to, to carry on his legacy in this way. Yeah, that's like a pretty incredible tribute. Um, definitely. I'll be waiting on my package of the blends, Ethan. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> they're, they're, in, they're, in, they're in huge, huge uh, crates uh, at our co-packer at the moment, and uh, they're going to get packed in the next few weeks. Um, and Valerie, you had a you you had a kind of an accomplishment too in the last week or two, right? What uh, what's going on with your book? Oh yeah, I mean it, it it's been a journey, and it's we're still on that journey. But um, you know, I, the manuscript is pretty much done, and we're about to start shooting it um, at the end of the month. So um, you know, we've got our September twenty one published date, and we are marching towards it. Wow. So. That's that's really exciting. How did it feel to to click send on the manuscript? Oh, well, if anyone has written a book, you understand that the edits are are ongoing. So, so it's, it's ongoing. <laughs> uh, all right, kind of a letdown, but uh, but really exciting. Absolutely. Uh, what's, what's what's the book about? For anybody who hasn't been paying attention in our previous conversations. Yeah, it's um it's a baking cookbook. So um. 
get ready next fall. I'm excited to share it with everyone. Cool. And now the really important part of this uh, podcast episode, let's introduce you to our guests, uh, Sylvie Charles and LaSalle Pires. Sylvie is a medical doctor and the founder and CEO of Just Date. And LaSalle is the co-founder and CMO. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for having us, Ethan. And I am just so excited to hear all of your updates. <laughs> Maybe you're the only one. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so let's let's just dive in. What is Just Date, and how did you get started? Sure. So, it, it's a long story, but <laughs> I so until um, a few years ago, I was a practicing physician at UCSF, UC San Francisco. And um, I actually had a debilitating spine injury that took me out of medicine for um, a good while. And it was during my second medical leave of absence that I started to think about changing course in my career. And, you know, I was experiencing a lot of chronic pain. And I really came back to food as healing, something that had always been important to me. Food had always been a a huge part of my life. You know, my mother is a phenomenal cook and my family life very much centers around food. Um, And I started to think about, you know, how I could incorporate nutrition and food into a way that was kind of beyond what we were doing in medicine, um, where we didn't really have the opportunity to go deep and talk to our patients about nutrition. Um, So I actually started with a line of Indian sauces, um, which is how we initially met Ethan. Um, And that line of sauces was called Spice Mama, and they were very much geared towards my Indian diabetic community. Um, They were all classic Indian sauces that were reworked a little bit to be less sugar, less salt, um, something that you could incorporate into your meals every day and, you know, not worry about the high sodium and high sugar content of so many sauces on the market, especially Indian sauces. Um, And it was in my my creation of a tamarind date chutney that I was playing around with dates and created a date syrup that um, suddenly struck me as something that I thought could be brought to a broader audience. And with a little research, learned that date syrup had been around for thousands of years in the Middle East, um, but, you know, hadn't really made its way into um into the U.S. yet, and not in a way that was very, you know, it was still used for as kind of a specialty ingredient versus something that you could really use every day as a sweetener. Um, So I started to envision this single ingredient syrup, uh, not only as something that could be used for my diabetic patients, but for everyone um, every day. And so through that, Just Date was born. And, you know, I started doing it on the side just here in the Bay Area, selling to a couple local grocery stores. And, um, you know, I was still practicing medicine. And shortly after that, um, got into Whole Foods nationwide and decided to start doing this full time. So that was about three years ago now. And um, here we are. You just dropped that, like, uh, getting into Whole Foods nationwide as, like, a, <laughs> a drop-in. I mean, there was a huge amount of work that, that went into that whole process, presumably, right? It wasn't a uh, – it hasn't been an easy journey. Yeah, no, it was not easy at all. But, um, you know, I was very lucky in the Bay, and I'm sure you have in New York just a lot of kind of food CPG support systems as well. Um, I was part of a um, – 
an incubator here called Kitchen Town, um, which you may or may not be familiar with. But um, I think it was through that support of Kitchen Town, through a couple of brand consultants, um, one in particular, uh, Ali Ball, and just a lot of learning from people who had been in the industry about how to go about this. And, um, you know, I felt very lucky in that my particular Whole Foods buyer was from a family of doctors, really resonated with the product and the mission, um, and has been such an advocate and champion of the brand ever since. That's awesome. And uh, LaSalle, how about you? What's your origin story and how did you get involved? Um, even more random. Um, so I also like Sylvie grew up in a family of food and cooking. It's always been really important in my culture and life and also grew up around a lot of chronic illness. My dad um, has every self-induced health related issue you can have. Um, and so health became really important to me at an early age too, with him being diabetic and learning more about sugar and cutting it out myself. Um, but I actually started off my career in tech. I was at Microsoft in cybersecurity and then in their investment team. Um, but throughout that was always really interested in food, was doing a lot of cooking and actually studied plant-based culinary on the side. Um, was teaching classes kind of on weekends at night um, and then started doing some consulting for smaller CPG startups too and got really interested in starting my own thing. And so kind of while I was doing all of that, I was working on um, an ice cream concept, a vegan gelato that was actually date sweetened by chance because that was one of the only sweeteners I even wanted to use at the time and happened to get connected to Sylvie through a mutual friend I'd made in that process of, you know, getting into the food space and we connected and, you know, really by luck hit it off with a lot of the same values around food and business and culture and just our personal lives. Um, and from there just started to work together. So very much met each other by chance um, and are so glad we did. And what is, what is date syrup taste like? What's, what's if, for, if somebody hasn't tasted it before, what, what should they expect? <laughs> you go, Lissa. <laughs> um, I mean, we like to say it's like caramel, but made with just dates. So it has this really rich flavor and really, you know, it's a low intensity sweetener in a lot of ways. It doesn't hit the tongue and you feel like you're just pouring sugar on like a very, um, like a stevia intensity. So it's very mellow, but has a nice rich caramel flavor. And then the pomegranate molasses, which is the newer product we launched, is very bright and tart, um, and that's mostly pomegranate juice that Sylvie spends a lot of time really, you know, tasting tons and tons of batches to pick the really brightest, most delicious juice batch, and then is toned down with a little bit of date syrup for sweetness. Yeah, and I'm laughing, Ethan, because you probably go through the same exercise with uh, burlap and barrel spices, <laughs> where it's trying to find all the flavor notes of how to describe the product to someone who's never had it before. So yeah, um, it's always a long, complicated, <laughs> complicated process of trying to land on the right the right descriptors. Right. You don't have to uh, describe it. You could just go to their website and buy a bottle, and then you know exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I like to also describe it as sign of course, sort of like brown sugar and liquid form um, is uh, somewhat what it tastes like, um, except without like that high intensity of sugar and, you know, stevia, like LaSalle was saying, um, but much more mellow. Yeah. I'm curious about um, what type of development went into these products, you know, as 
as a medical doctor, how did you take your vision and implement it into something um, that could be sold in stores? Yeah, well, you know, I've always been a science nerd and, um, you know, I think I really took to food science um, as, you know, kind of a new challenge um, in my explorations of developing this product. Um, And, you know, everything was done in my home kitchen to create these products. So we're just now kind of like thinking through future products and working with, you know, outside developers. And it's much less fun than doing the experiments in your, in your home. Um, and, you know, I think I'm, I'm, we're also very lucky with dates and pomegranates that they're quite naturally stable. So, um, you know, I'm, I've always been floored by the date syrups and pomegranate molasses that are out there there because they're so um, laden with preservatives and additives and tons of sugar. And those are all used in the name of stabilization. But um, you don't actually need any of those things because pomegranates are very acidic and the date syrup has very low water activity. So they're quite naturally stable. So that was a lot of fun learning and um, science for me to get behind. Um, and I also think, you know, my, my small experience with the Indian sauces uh, just here in the Bay Area and selling those taught me a lot about, you know, in a short time, a lot about consumers and how they want to use a product. Um, so a lot went into the design of our bottles um, to really be as usable as possible, um, to, you know, fit in the palm of your hand, to squeeze easily and, you know, be something that you could go and grab for very easily versus like needing to get out a spoon and spoon it out. Um, so, you know, all of those little pieces of building, um, of building the design of the bottle were, were very interesting. And like I said, just a lot of really good guidance from my incubator of people I could bounce ideas off of. And if I've learned anything in this business, it's to ask a lot of questions from a lot of people with more experience and more knowledge than you and really listen to them and take it all in. Um, LaSalle, what were some of your sort of uh, lessons learned from your background in tech or how have you applied that previous career to to running Just Date? Um, I think a lot of it is just the problem solving pieces that come with um, being in a, the product management role where working with a lot of different types of people. So, you know, engineers, marketing, business, and here it's you know, working with co-packers, sales teams, stores, all the different moving parts. And a lot of it is relationship management. And to Sylvie's point, just really great communication and asking questions when you need to um, and staying on top of changing timelines all the time. Um, and then just applying a lot of creative solutions. So um, similarly to a product manager, it's figuring out what do customers want and what's going wrong. And that's a lot of what marketing is, is understanding what I think customers are struggling with, what they're loving and really tailoring the business around that. Um, and then similarly to this, her experience with the Spice Mama Spices, um, I spent almost half a year in the ice cream development world, which is, you know, calling ice cream scientists on the phone and asking them questions and being willing to do a lot of experimentation and testing and just putting in a lot of that time and energy into um, experimenting and seeing what works. I'm really, I'm curious to hear about uh, your, the relationship that the two of you have, because I think there's this idea that 
co-founders need to both be present at like the birth of the company. And we all know for many cases that that's often not how, how things work. It's not true for my business where Ori joined me after I'd been doing it for a while. And, and likewise, in your case, you joined at different times and, and the business has needed different things through that, uh, over that period. So how have you navigated those roles and how have you um, sort of decided who does what? Yeah. Um, you know, I think so going back to just like our initial connection, I think, you know, LaSalle and I had so many similarities based on our backgrounds and our family history and, you know, just who we are and what we value. Um, and, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, drives both of us um, that LaSalle mentioned before is our father's histories with um, chronic illness. That's all self-induced. And so, you know, um, eating poorly and too much sugar and, you know, drinking and smoking and all of those things. So, um, you know, my Ethan, you, you know that, you know, my dad has been through a lot, especially in this last year. And, um, you know, it's, especially in our Indian community where these kind of diseases are extraordinarily prevalent, like a higher percentage versus other minorities in America. Um, you know, that, that drive and trying to affect change in that realm, I think drives both of us to do this work and to put out these products, um, and to put out recipes that we can really get behind and, um, align with other brands that really share our values. Um, so I think having that at the core of who we both are really helps, um, really helps kind of cement our relationship as partners. Um, and, you know, as, as far as like, how we have started to work together. It's, it's really only been since January and it's been like an incredible nine months. I think that we both are really trying to be receptive to what each other is good at and um, trying to be flexible in, you know, who takes the lead on which project based on um, whose skills it really jives with and whose experience it really jives with. Um, so I've loved that process. And I think, um, I think we're both doing a good job at kind of figuring, figuring that out as we go. Yeah. And just to add on to that, um, I mean, so Sylvie does, um, you know, all the sales for the most part and it folks in most of the marketing for the most part. And then we're obviously, um, you know, talking about all of it. And then we split the operations in what seems like the most logical way. Um, but I also think to your point, when we met, Sylvie had been able to manage so many things by herself and a lot of the early experiences. And I think as a company scales, there's just more that needs to, to happen. Um, and then it becomes helpful to have another person. And I just simply remember when we met, we were both kind of like, you know, we're just, we're doing this as business partners. Friendship is kind of secondary. It wasn't like a important or anything. And we became really good friends in the process. So um, I think that was part of the thought process too, was to really treat it like a business relationship. And if a friendship comes out of it too, great. And fortunately we kind of get to have both things. Yeah, I think I think people often don't sort of understand the the complexity and intensity of co-founder relationships and, and <laughs> like how much time you wind up spending with that person. Um, My yeah. favorite picture of you and Ori is shirtless working at your computers across like a little <laughs> kitchen table. <from> each other. 
we uh yeah i mean for i used to joke now shal and i are married but before we were married i joked that i had a, a you know a stronger legal obligation to ori than i did to my fiance <laughs> because anyway i did um what uh, do you have any advice for for somebody who's thinking about entering into a co-founder relationship or starting a company with somebody else how, how they should approach that or the kinds of questions they should they should be asking of themselves and each other yeah, you know, we spent um, we spent an, an intense week together before um, kind of like officially like becoming co-founders where we did the fancy food show together. Um, and, you know, if you know anything about the fancy food show, it's, you know, a very intense week of, you know, all day long showings to customers and just a lot of intensity around the setup and the breakdown and all of that. So, you know, we were spending full, full days together um, for a week and really just getting to see how each other worked and getting to have really deep conversations about, um, about our values and where, you know, what our dreams were for ourselves and the business. And I think, you know, entering into a relationship after you've really seen um, how you can work together and kind of like the hardest, most intensive times is, is really valuable to knowing whether it can work. So, uh, so spend a week standing next to somebody at the fancy food show and, uh, yep. and you'll know if this is the person. You'll know. <laughs> Eating together, sleeping in the same house, waking up together, yeah. all of that. It's, it's brutal. <laughs> Um, Lucelle, how about you? I uh, know. I think that was that's spot on. I don't have much to add to that. I think you know, spending time together um, is obviously like with dating, with friendships, with anything is just the easiest way to see how someone operates, especially in a, a high pressure environment. So that was definitely a big part of it. And Lucelle, actually, you sent me a list of really long, like a very long list of. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 and I thought that was really great because I it like showed me initially that like LaSalle was taking this really seriously, that she is a really just organized and committed and like dedicated person. And even though, you know, in the midst of all the craziness of managing our business by myself at that point, um, it was actually nice to sit down and answer her questions because it made me think a lot about what I want in a partner and what I want in the business. Um, and so I think that was a really, a really kind of first, a helpful first sign that LaSalle was the one. <laughs> I, I love that. What a great way to kind of do a quick vetting of one another to see, you know, if, if how you kind of operate lines up together, but also is complimentary, I imagine. Yeah, yeah we had spoken on the phone once and Sylvie was like, you should fly down to SF. <laughs> and I said, okay, I guess I will. And I mean, it was all very crazy and just natural, but fortunately it all worked out. Yeah. And I think, you know, my first conversation with LaSalle ever was actually in relation to her business um, that she was, you know, embarking upon with the ice cream. And so, you know, I had had some insight into how she approached her her business and her goals and what kind of questions she asked. And I saw that LaSalle could probably really fill a gap, um, you know, that she, her skills and thought process were very complementary um, to mine and things that I was lacking. And, um, you know, I, I was excited about that. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. This episode is brought to you by A Dozen Cousins, soulfully seasoned, ready-to-eat beans. A Dozen Cousins aims to bring families delicious and easy-to-prepare food inspired by traditional Black and Latino recipes. From their Cuban black beans made with onion, garlic, and bell peppers, to their Mexican cowboy beans made with green chilies and jalapenos, all the beans from A Dozen Cousins use easy-to-recognize ingredients like beans, vegetables, and nutrient-dense avocado oil while avoiding GMOs and artificial flavors. Learn more at adozencousins.com. And we're back. This is Why Food. And we're joined this week by Sylvie Charles and LaSalle Pires uh, of Just Date. Um, I want to get into a little bit of the, the, I guess, the science behind sugar and sugar alternatives. Like, What's the... I don't know what I'm asking. What's what's the deal? Why is sugar so bad and why are alternatives important? Yeah. Oh, man. You're opening a Pandora's box right Here we now. go. <laughs> we can go on and on forever and ever. So, um, so yeah, in, in a nutshell, like one of the reasons people get diabetes or even, you know, pre-diabetes or even earlier than that, insulin resistance, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that oh, they're immune from diabetes, like diabetes is something for people who really don't take care of themselves. But um, actually, like a huge percentage of Americans are pre-diabetic and an even bigger percentage um, starting to become insulin resistant. And how that happens is, you know, a very high um, sugar and carb intake, which, you know, spike, it's really all about that spike in blood sugar. So if you get this big spike in blood sugar, your insulin spikes in response. And over time, your pancreas gets less and less sensitive to it, and your insulin response gets lower and lower. And what insulin does is take sugar you know, from the bloodstream into your cells and where you know, it can be stored and used. And you know, when you become insulin resistant, there's just a lot of sugar floating around in your bloodstream, which can have a lot of horrible downstream effects, like not only diabetes, but, you know, pretty much all the chronic illnesses that we see. So um, one of the big, like, philosophies that, you know, I follow and one of the reasons for starting Just Aid Syrup is looking for foods and sweeteners that um, keep your blood sugar steady, that don't create those huge spikes in blood sugar um, that we see with, you know, just cane sugar and even honey, unfortunately, even though it has a, even though it has a very natural and tasty reputation, um, even honey still spikes your blood sugar. So those are, you know, some of the starting reasons for, you know, going with a date-based sweetener that has a low glycemic index um, versus alternatives. Um, do I still have you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Keep going. I'm with you, and yes, I didn't, I didn't know honey was bad. Keep going. <laughs> I know it's such a bummer. I mean, <laughs> honey tastes great, and you know, is natural-ish and delicious, and um, you know, but it, it really does still have a pretty high glycemic index. That's not very far off from cane sugar, um, and it does have more nutrient value 
then uh, cane sugar does have more antioxidant value. But um, we'll go into a little bit now about how date syrup compares to kind of some of the most used options. Um, and LaSalle, did you want to jump in with anything on the first part? I was just going to mention that. I mean, I wouldn't say, I don't think either of us would say honey is bad for you. It's just, you know, it's better than having the cane sugar. It's just there's a lot of hype around honey having a huge, you know, superpower antioxidant value. And funny enough, our date syrup has much higher. Um, so really on just on the spectrum of things, it's not as nutrient dense. Yeah. And so kind of, you know, we, we compare our date syrup to other sugar alternatives on like a few metrics. Um, so one is glycemic index. So that, that value that, um, that is representative of how, how much something spikes your blood sugar um, by our nutrient value. So nutrients like potassium, magnesium, um, zinc, you know, other trace minerals, um, and our antioxidant value. So compared to maple syrup, um, we're about, you know, uh, like five to 10 points lower on the glycemic index. Um, you know, over two times higher on the nutrient scale and over 10 times the antioxidants. And actually compared to honey, we're almost 45 times the antioxidants of what what honey has. So um, it's really a very interesting comparison to um, what most people are using as alternative and natural sweeteners. And what's, um, the, what's the difference between the way that something tastes versus the effect that it has on your blood sugar or your body overall? Something can taste sweet, but how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a little bit of a high intensity sweet taste is always going to signal your body to release to release insulin, that there's a brain signal that like something sweet is entering my body. So I need to have the means to deal with it. So um, you're I think what you're getting at is, you know, you're right. Like if it's a more mellow, naturally sweet taste, um, it probably is going to have less of an effect on your blood sugar. And that doesn't always ring true, but, um, but I've definitely found that is, um, from like an anecdotal experience that that's true. Um, but so what happens with like stevia and Splenda and like these really high intensity sweeteners where, um, you know, I forget what the ratio is, but I think it's something like, you know, some amount of stevia is like 30 times the sweetness of the same amount of sugar. And don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. But um, but it's much, much sweeter than the same amount of sugar. And so even though stevia is like considered uh, – you know, no sugar, zero sugar option, it actually is still signaling your body in the same way. It's still fueling an addiction cycle of your body to sugar um, versus what a more mellow natural sweetener is doing, which is actually tamping down the addiction cycle to a point where you might not even crave sweet at all at some point. Um, so for me, those are the big differences between, you know, something like a stevia where it's said to be zero sugar versus something that is natural, maybe does have some grams of sugar, but is actually leading to less cravings over time. Can I ask you another uh, nerdy, very specific question? Yeah, um, <laughs> please. 
<laughs> erythritol and sugar alcohols, which are uh, sort of a, a trendy new ingredient in Halo Top ice cream and lots of other sort of ostensibly low calorie or low sugar products. How did those fit into this whole system? Yeah. And so sugar alcohols, A, for gut health, have been shown to be really um really poorly impactful on gut health. Um, and sugar alcohols are, you know, still, still a byproduct of um, cane sugar as they're broken down. So um, they will have like some of those same downstream effects. And the other thing we see, um, we see in a lot of long-term studies looking at the impact of sugar alcohols and the impact of, you know, high fructose corn syrup and high fructose natural sugars like agave is that there's still, and, you know, mechanisms not really totally clear yet, but they're still leading to an overall, um, an overall increased incidence of chronic illness. So heart disease, fatty liver, and diabetes. Um, when you look at, when you look at, uh, patients and like enrollees in these clinical trials where they're using sugar alcohols, you see still a lot of these same long-term downstream effects. So, so what should we all be doing? I mean, is there a, is there a middle ground or a, yeah, what, how should people be? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so I actually prefer like, if you're going to go you know, my, I'll give you like my hierarchy of like, of how I, how I consume these products. So, um, obviously my date syrup is really at the top of the right, list. Obviously. Um, we're launching a dry date sugar soon that we're very excited about, um, probably about mm, four to six weeks out from that. Um, and our dry date sugar actually has a lot of fiber. Um, we're not losing anything from the dates in the process. So it really is just like consuming a whole date, which is pretty exciting um, and also retains that same low glycemic index. Um, and so after like our date products, then I would move to something like coconut sugar, which actually has a pretty good nutritional profile and low glycemic index. It is like a bit more processed than I'd like, but if I'm going to go for another alternative sugar, that's what I'd use. Um, and then I would move to like maple syrup and honey. And then way down at the bottom of my list are kind of what I see as like the artificial um, creations of monk fruit and allulose and, you know, erythritol and stevia. And we just don't have a lot of we have we have a lot of data on some of them showing these long term downstream effects. Um, and we don't have enough data on others. And we do know they're still highly processed. We do know that they're still fueling these cravings and that our bodies are reacting negatively to them. So um, those are kind of way down on my list. Like I would still prefer a touch of organic cane sugar over, you know, monk fruit, erythritol, um, you know, stevia and the like. And and how about for for cooking? Like how do how does date syrup or the date sugar maybe how do those work in pastries or baked goods or other things where sugar is an important kind of chemical part of the component of the uh, of the recipe? Yeah, Lasalle, do you want to chime in? Yeah, so I think the um, a big audience of ours is the foodie chefy community, um, partly because of the taste and also partly because it does function quite well in a lot of cooking and baking. So the date syrup obviously blends really well into any liquid. So a major use case is you know, coffees, teas, and all of that. Um, but then baking and savory cooking as well. So 
Obviously, it works one-to-one for a maple syrup or a honey and a sweet recipe, but there are also adjustments you can make to use it in lieu of, you know, a granulated sugar in cookies. And obviously, with our new date sugar, that will be a really easy one-for-one swap as well. So you can truly use all of our products to um, achieve any baked good you want. And then in terms of savory cooking, the date syrup does really well in a lot of sauces, Um, obviously. Indian sauces, Asian sauces, where there's a sweetness added, um, it cooks really well in that way, as well as salad dressings. Um, so we've seen really creative use cases, and the date syrup, you know, really functions across the board, um, like most sugars. That's um, I'm really, I'm really curious. I'm really excited to try this, um, because you know, as someone who bakes and who has used maple syrup and even corn syrup um, in a lot of recipes and honey. Um, It is exciting because the flavor profile of dates is just so lovely. So um, I'm really excited to try this as well. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wonderful. As well as your pomegranate, um, your pomegranate syrup. And I'm curious, um, how did, how did you decide that you wanted to expand with another product and what are you looking for when you do expand your product line? What's like the goal with your new products? Yeah, we're, um, we're very, we're interested in expanding on fruits um, that have really lovely kind of nutritional um, nutritional aspects to them. So pomegranates are really high in polyphenol antioxidants, um, you know, and I had, you know, always loved pomegranate molasses as an ingredient. Um, but I was just feeling really disappointed with what was out there and what was offered. Um, and I was interested in kind of, you know, it's kind of in the same way as date syrup, expanding the reach of pomegranate molasses beyond something that's just used in like fancy specialty cooking to something you could really incorporate into your daily life. Um, And we're loving seeing that our pomegranate molasses is now just being used as a squeeze on yogurt or toast. And that was really the dream to kind of take these interesting, highly nutritious fruits and, you know, go further with them um, beyond like a niche. Do you have other other fruits in the pipeline or is that uh, top secret? Mm, confidential right All now. Right. <laughs> You'll be the first to know. What uh, What is the, the date sugar like? What's the texture? What does it look like? Yeah, um, it, yeah I was going to say, I mean, if you're familiar with coconut sugar, it has that, you know, light tannish color. Um, similar sandy kind of feel, um, mouthfeel into the hand. Um, but it's really, really still like the date syrup has this mellow sweetness, um, kind of vanilla notes and caramel notes too. And yeah, I mean, it functions really well in baking. We're really excited to have, you know, like the Toll House cookie recipe on the back of the box for a really delicious date sugar cookie. And yeah, just excited to kind of open up that door for people who, have recipes that the date syrup doesn't function perfectly in to kind of provide that missing piece of the sugar too. Yeah. And we were hearing feedback, you know, that I agreed with that, you know, the syrup is wonderful, but it's not, there are some applications where you need a dry, you need a dry sugar and, um, and you need something that's lighter in color. So you can't make like white sugar cookies with our, um, 
date syrup, for example, but you will be able to make off-white sugar cookies with our with our new date sugar. And um, you know, I've been having a ton of fun baking with it. Um, Valerie, I can't wait to see what you do with it. Um, it's just it's a real game changer for some of the recipes where date syrup just wasn't wasn't sufficing. I mean, a cocktail rim on a glass. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I've actually I've done the whole where you you put the dates and the hot water and the food processor and it's like a pain. Wow. So um... <laughs> totally, I I'm definitely pre date syrup days. We're doing that. Was doing that as well. Yeah, it's it's not the most fun or you know, <laughs> most efficient yeah. use of your baking time. So yeah. and I have actually Lasalle, I have mixed our date sugar with burlap and barrel spices and used it as a rim on a cocktail class. Mm, sounds delicious. Very good. <laughs> yeah, you know, our, our syrups are already um, a huge application is cocktails and beverages. And we had a cocktail ebook we did over the summer. So kind of rounding out the perfect cocktail with a, a date sugar rim. <laughs> um, should we do some uh, rapid fire questions, Valerie? Are you ready? All right, Ethan, start us out. Oh, thanks. I was hoping you <laughs> were going to volunteer. Make it good. Um, uh, what, uh, what is your favorite kitchen tool? Microplane. Oh, good answer. Good yeah. answer. Yes. What do you do? With, what's, the, what's the most off-the-wall application of a microplane that you've, that you've come up with? Oh, my God. You're going to laugh at how spoiled my dog is. <laughs> I love it already. Microplaning aged Parmesan onto his meals. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ziggy is a, is dog a lucky is so dog. Seriously. Uh, Lucille, how about you? I won't eat it without it. <laughs> Definitely the citrus squeezer. I hate all the seeds and a lemon. Do you have a, a particular sort of style or... Um, I don't know, version. Uh, of I have like the, the clamp one. You just put half of the, the fruit in there and squeeze it down. And I feel like that's been life changing for not having the frustrating seeds in everything. I have an important question. Do you put the citrus half in with the flat side facing down, like into <laughs> the cup? Or do you uh, match the curve of the cup with the, the citrus? Ooh. You know, That's like a good point. question. I don't match the curve. Should I be? I have no idea. I've seen no, people do it both ways. Me. Okay. <laughs> you are doing it correctly. Okay, good. You're confusing me. <laughs> All right, Valerie, your, your question next. Uh, what are you guys most excited for with fall coming? Oh, Food-wise. Food-wise. Just fresh pomegranates. I just love them so much. Oh, great answer. Oh, mine's not on brand like that. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I am a huge squash fan, and so definitely eating a lot of kabocha squash, which is my favorite squash, roasted soups, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> um, best meal you've ever eaten that cost under five or ten dollars? I've been getting a lot of free meals at my mom's house lately. <laughs> so, I would say dosa lunch at my mom's house mm. is the best under $5, $0 meal. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had this on my mind since you brought it up at the start of the call um, or the interview. It's in Mexico City. There's these a couple stands that do a blue corn, blue maize um, tortilla, and then they have 
chicharrones and like onions and all this stuff on top um, and little pieces of beef. And they just like make it fresh right there. And this woman pulls up a scoop of batter and it's the most amazing like Mm -hmm. 50 cent meal. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I love those like, I don't know, little places that specialize in one thing and do it perfectly. Perfectly, yeah. Love that also. Oh, man. Oh, you guys just made me a little bit hungry. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I'm i fresh out of questions, Ethan. You've got to help me out on this one. All right, let's do one more. Um, if you were a, a fruit, what fruit would you be? <laughs> and you can't say pomegranate. <laughs> Wait, a date is, is a date a fruit? Is the date a fruit? I guess I think it is. We're both gonna have the same answer. Date is a fruit. Um, Sal, you go first. I'm gonna say what Sylvie's answer would have been. I think, which is mango. (laughs) That is definitely a really good answer. Um, I was actually gonna say avocado, but I don't really know why. (laughs) So. I just like, I feel like during this COVID pandemic, you can like, you know, on some days you'll get like a good version of me and on other days you'll get a bad version of me. And sometimes I'm like just right. So like the perfect avocado. <laughs> that's that's <Cute>. great. <laughs> Lucille, why are, why are you a mango? Um, I just have so many memories of hating mangoes because I found them so difficult to cut and eat. And then my mom, I have like, this is as a kid. And then my mom taught me like the special way of dicing it and scooping it out over the sink. And now I just have nostalgia around that whenever I eat it and know how to eat it properly too. Yeah. What What's the proper way to eat a mango? Okay. Maybe this is common knowledge to everyone now, but, um, she would cut it down the middle and then cut slightly around the seeds. So you have one half that's like perfect. And then you dice it kind of like you would an avocado, but don't cut the flesh and use a spoon and just scoop it out and eat it from there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. makes sense. Like the long way, cutting it the long way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Probably All pretty right. obvious to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen a lot of people do interesting things like peeling it, which just seems so slimy and mm. challenging. My my favorite way uh, when I am able to do it this way without embarrassing myself completely is just to like eat it like an apple, yeah. and, <laughs> and peel the skin off with my teeth and eat the mango and not oh. worry about where are all the juices going. Or what? <laughs> I've uh, done that, Ethan, in the I've done that in the Caribbean with the little the little oh, mangoes. Yeah, because you can eat the skin on those too. Oh, really? There are mangoes you can on the eat really the skin small one. Yeah, on the really small ones in a lot of tropical countries, you'll watch people just eat the skin. Wow. What that's, the skin a like? that's a lot of fiber. That's a lot of fiber. We all need more fiber in our diets. So. All right. And on that note, it's been a pleasure. Um, where can our listeners uh, find out more about you and your products and uh, make some purchases? Yeah, well, please head over to justdatesyrup.com. Um, you can also find us uh, across the nation um, most uh, most easily at Whole Foods um, and on Amazon as well. And social? And you can follow us at Just Date Syrup. Awesome. Uh, thanks to, well, uh, sorry, as always, uh, you can reach me via my spice company at Burlap and Barrel on Instagram.
and you can reach Valerie uh, on Instagram at foodie in New York. Um, you can contact us uh, by email whyfood at heritageradionetwork.org. Follow us on social at whyfoodpodcast. Thanks to Jess Krenjic, our amazing engineer. Thanks to the Red Crickets for our theme song, which is Blind. And uh, most of all, thank you, Sylvie and LaSalle. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks so thank much. Thank you, guys. All right, Valerie. All right, see you guys next week. See you next week. Why Food is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>